As we uh, come together around this table, we're sharing a, an offering, a meal, and in many ways that's what Jesus was doing uh, when he shared his meals with the disciples. In Leviticus, where I've been in a Bible study recently, the five offerings that God gave to the Israelites at Mount Sinai were discussed by God to Moses and then from Moses to the Israelites. You'll remember the burn offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, and then there was the silt, sin, and the guilt offering. The first three were voluntary. The last two were commanded of everyone during the year to participate in. But the, the offering that Jesus had on the night when he met with his disciples in the upper room was the beginning of the day of preparation. The end of that day would be the next evening which would begin the Passover. And so Jesus sat with them at this meal and it was a type of peace offering that he was sharing with his disciples and it's very akin to what we're doing now. The peace offering was the offering where they would actually share in the offering with the priest in the Israelite days. And so Jesus would look at the bread and he'd say, I want you to take this and eat it. It's my body. And the cup, he said, this represents my blood. Now these Jewish men remembered that the meat that was offered at the peace offering was an animal that they would bring in their day to the temple. They would put their hands on its head and offer it to God as a peace offering. And then they would slay the animal. The fat would be placed on the altar with other portions of the animal and burned as a, an incense to God. And he found it pleasing. The right thigh and the right breast were removed and given to the priest, waved as a wave offering, and then the priest had those for his share. 
And then the rest was placed, after it had been skinned and cut into pieces, was placed on the altar and roasted. That was then removed and given back to the one who brought the peace offering. And he took it home and he shared it with his family, his friends. The bigger the offering, the bigger the meal. And sometimes it was a bull, sometimes a calf, sometimes it was a goat, a sheep. It could have even been a dove offering. But they shared it with their family and it had to most of the time be eaten on that same day. And so when Jesus was offering this meal to his disciples, he was telling them, I am the lamb. I am the offering. And this is my blood and this is my body that we are looking at today. And they began to understand him. Our God is a God of fellowship. He wants to eat with us. He wants to be with us. And so Jesus would say in Revelations 3 and 20, Here I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So we worship a God that wants to be here with us. And so this, in a sense is a type of peace offering of the old day today. But we remember our Savior. He was the sacrifice for our sins. Is this if we were taking an animal and placing our hands on the animal and saying, God, this is an offering that you'll accept for my sins and you don't require my blood, but you'll accept the blood of this animal and so I will kill this animal because you do require blood and you'll take this offering instead of me. Today Jesus is that offering instead of us and we live in peace with our God because of what Jesus has done for us. Let us pray. Our Father, our God, we're so thankful that we worship a God of mercy and grace and that you came and gave your life for us, shed your blood and gave your body as a peace offering, as a sin offering, as a burnt offering. You took our guilt, Father, and we're so thankful that you did. Thank you for this bread that it represents the body of Jesus, our, our Savior. Help us to partake of it in a manner pleasing to you, knowing that Jesus commemorates this meal with us. We pray that our prayers will rise before you as a sweet aroma and that we will gather around and celebrate your son and his sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Father, thank you for this cup that represents the blood of Christ. For there was no perfect sacrifice that could be given until Jesus came. And he came and shed his perfect blood from a perfect life that pleased you. We're so thankful that you're satisfied, Father, for we had no other answer for our sins. And we're so thankful for Jesus that he has covered our sins in your sight and that we can be righteous in your sight. Thank you, Father, for what you have done for us. Thank you for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. So the first three months of this year are time of discernment. Um, <clears throat> the elders uh, observe the giving of the congregation, and in a sense, you tell us how involved you want to be with the ministries of this congregation and the plans that we have and uh, the ministries that are being supported. Ministries like the Pregnancy Help Center that many of you support that we, Jackie talked to us about in Sunday school this morning things that you never hear about in the hallway as we were preparing to come in here. A young man comes in with two children and a third one in the car and asking for help to get to another state where he has a job but uh, doesn't have the money to get there for gas or food or for lodging. Ministries that the congregation's involved in that we don't really see or hear much about but you know, people stepped up and gave to that young man just in the hallway walking by. I think his needs have been met. But we want to know what you want to do. Do you want to support the ministries as we go forward? And you always have. You've always been so faithful. God has blessed us. And so we're thankful that he has. 
we're thankful for what he's doing and what he's going to do uh, with us in our little area of the world here and the way we reach out. Thank you. Let's thank God for that now. Father God, we thank you that you have allowed us to participate in your kingdom work. Thank you for blessing us, Father, so that we can bless others. Thank you that you give to us so that we can give to others. Father, please take this offering and use it. It's small, but you can multiply it, we know. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we'll come down and do the kids' gift, and then uh, the kids will be dismissed to stage two and praise kids. Good morning once again, church. Our scripture reading before the lesson this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 21. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you through, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not, do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at that coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. 
Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Amen. <clears throat> oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in Come, Emmanuel. You might enjoy in that. Please uh, don't be offended if I do a little chung-in-cheek this morning. Um, it is not the greatest playoff to run that I've ever been watching because the Dallas Cowboys aren't there. You can, you can rub that in my nose as much as you want to. But last Saturday I saw something that I don't know that I'd seen anything like, especially for the team just up the road, the Houston Texans. As Deshaun Watson, who could do absolutely nothing for nearly three quarters, three and two and a half quarters, 
suddenly came to life and, and, and beat a team that seemed to have every answer for the team, for their opponents, uh, for, for most of the game, until this one person said, not so. Uh, it was quite amazing. I, by the way, it, it, it was just joyful to, to have a team, kind of an adopted team, maybe not my first love, but my adopted team, to cheer for and them to keep on going. It just made the playoffs wonderful, except that there something happened later that night that was almost as good as the Texans winning. The Patriots lost. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so <laughs> you can know a real Texans fan when you say something like that. Um, but that, his comeback only took place after a spark that came. I don't know if you noticed, if you paid close enough to the period, to the game. If it was a cowboy game, I could tell you what, down and distance and everything else. But it was sparked by a sack that J.J. Watt had that moved the Bills, kept the Bills from scoring another touchdown to go up 20, probably 20 to nothing, and made the game just 16 to nothing. Two touchdowns, and can, who can do the math? Two touchdowns and two two-point conversions away from being tied, which is actually what happened. Very, very rare thing for two two-point conversions to happen in the same game. What I want to tell you, and please forgive me, if there is any hope for the Texans to win today or any other game in these playoffs going forward, it is Deshaun Watson on his shoulders square and that will be the only reason that it happens but it's amazing how the whole rest of the team plays differently even when the odds seem completely against them because they know Deshaun Watson may make a miracle happen J.J. Watt was mic'd up the whole game let's go let's go let's go and I promise you at least part of that let's go let's go let's go is because there was a guy on the other side of the ball who he knew wasn't going to quit, and had done it before, and let's hope we'll do it again to move things forward. Where does your hope come from? What inspires you to live day in and day out? To do, in reality, miraculous, spirit-filled things because you believe in something, that there's something bigger than the present circumstances that moves you forward. Hope. Not just joy, not just a sense of wishful thinking, but a real hope that says something's going to change that's based on a promise. Let's shift gears and actually turn from things that are frivolous hopes, no matter how much they feel our time and our expectations, to things that are real. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. The, the basis of the book of Romans is that Paul is coming to, to Rome and, and he wants to see these people and he wants to encourage this church. And as much as we see it as this great treatise on what it is to have faith and, and what the grace of God can actually do, it's really about that there are two different parts of this church, the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians, and that Paul knows that they will never be what Christ wants them to be unless they come together in unity. And that can't be unity based on you do things my way or you do things my way, but unity that has to be built around 
their love for and their dedication to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen and amen. Unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, Janet, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Let's keep going. As it is written, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Sing praises to him, all you peoples. And finally, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. And from that root of Jesse, the Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Won't you join me in prayer? Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day and thank you for the love that you've poured into it. We thank you for the way that you have made a difference in our lives. The way Jesus came and was that peace offering and made peace between us and you. And the way that your Holy Spirit has filled us. Filled us in a way so that we can trust in you in ways that we never have before. Filled us with your Spirit so that we can love in ways that we couldn't in our own flesh. And filled us with hope. Hope for what is and hope for what is to come. May we be your people of hope. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Fill this time as only you can. It is in the name of your Son that we all pray together. And we all say. We've all been there. You've been there. I've been there. At those funerals at those gravesides. Don't bring this up to be morbid. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Our family has a very different approach to funerals. It's amazing. Both sides of my family, my father's side, my mother's side. And and it's kind of interesting now that we've done it a few times, how the next generation sees the, the funerals of their parents, and that's who's passing away, my father's generation as this opportunity that the families get together. And while we mourn at their passing, we cannot be filled with sorrow because we recognize the lives that they lived and the love that they gave and our opportunity to love them. And more than that, it brings our family together like like very few things do. And it's centered around the idea that Paul expresses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that kind of spurs us and and makes us realize we're not here like the rest of the world. Don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of man. There's supposed to be something different about us. There is supposed to be something different and that is called hope. Don't be like the rest of the men or those of, of... of men who don't have an idea of what God is doing. Instead, they have no hope, and we have absolute, sure, and certain hope. It's always interesting to me, most of the time when there are funerals in this place, we'll oftentimes have kind of a pass-by where uh, people come down and they 
They greet the family and they walk out. And our biggest problem during a pass-by is the fact that once they get back there, they start visiting and laughing and enjoying each other so much that the, the sound of that celebration drifts. If you don't know, it drifts over and comes down the roof and comes back in this room. But it, it maybe is disturbing at some level, but it's very powerful at another level. Because it says that we're not here for the end. We're here celebrating a new beginning. We're celebrating a life that has been pointed towards what is to come next. And that's what, those, that's what those of us who, as Paul said, fall asleep or die in the Lord have. We have a different vision. And that different vision is called hope. I'm going to do a quick survey, if you don't mind. Go to Paul, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 real quick here. And now these three remain. You know many words from this chapter. This is love. And this, these are the words that it ends with. And maybe you remember these as well. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Ends with the phrase, appropriate to put in this chapter because that's where his emphasis is. And the greatest of these is love. I find it interesting that hope's right there in the middle. Faith informs hope. And hope, when it decides to live out a reality that says, no, 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 no. The flesh and blood here is not the last story. The brokenness of our, our world is not the last story. And because we know that's not the last story, we're going to live the way that Jesus taught us to live, to live in love. Faith informs hope, and hope, when it starts living, produces love. In another letter, Paul brings up these, this same trio, if you were, in 1 Thessalonians. Notice the repetition, but in a slightly different order in 1 Thessalonians. We remember your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. What I want you to notice is that this letter approaches it in a slightly different way. It isn't just the idea of faith, hope, and love, or in Thessalonians, faith, love, and hope. It is the idea that there are actions, that there is a life that is associated with faith. If we trust Jesus, we live differently. If we're going to love as Jesus has called us to love, we're going to live differently. Somebody say amen, please. And if we have a hope, a hope that comes from Jesus and is centered on Jesus. And we're going to talk about that next week. If we have the hope that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, it produces a life that is different. It looks different. It lives different. It changes the world because it doesn't see the brokenness of how things are now as the ultimate end that God wants to bring them to. I don't know if you ever encounter people and, and you don't know them. They're strangers. You haven't ever, don't know their backstory. You don't know all those kinds of things. But when you look at them and as opposed to just seeing brokenness, instead you see potential of what they could be and where they could go and what might happen. The little phrase, angels unaware, we don't know when we're encountering people from God, kind of takes hold because what we're looking for and what we see is not what is. What we see 
is what hope can make them. Not brokenness, but wholeness through God. It is associated with living. Mark read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 1, had this powerful statement. God has given us a new birth. Somebody say amen. If you've participated in the waters of baptism, you've been raised a new creature. It is, you have been, we talk about reborn. Something new has been made in you and of you. And something has changed. If you have been, he has given us new birth for what purpose? Into a living hope is how Peter puts it here. Peter writes that whole book to a group of people who, who kind of are towards the end of that first century. And, and, and the idea that Jesus is still coming back immediately in our lifetime, as Paul's letters seem to say over and over again, is beginning to sound a little less likely. That generation is dying, and Peter writes to him and said, Do not let go of your hope. A hope that is based on your new birth in Christ and that needs to be the way that you live out every single day. We're beginning a new sermon series called Living Hope. You've seen it there on the cover of your uh, Caring and Sharing. Living Hope in a Wishing World. We're reopening the way that we think about the answer to questions like, what are we waiting for? What are we looking forward to? But maybe even more importantly, we're going to rethink our answers to the question of what are we going to do about it in the meantime. We're waiting for God to make all things new. Amen and amen? For that new creation, for a new heaven and earth to come about. For Jesus to return as the signal for that to begin. But between now and then... Clearly, the people who followed Jesus said, there's a way that we live that's pointing towards it. And we're going to talk about those kinds of issues. And so today, by way of application, as opposed to a, a, a set of things that maybe you can put into kind of practical action today, I want to send you out with some questions. So... How are we bringing hope to our living? How are we bringing hope to life? I want you to think about these things. What is different about the way you live that isn't just about a set of morals or a set of ethics? God, when he spoke to Moses, said, one of the ways that the people in the world are going to know who I am is because you're going to live differently. You're not going to lie. You're not going to kill. You're not going to cheat your neighbor. You're not going to lust. You're not going to commit adultery. Those kinds of things. Morals and ethics reflect who God is. But is there something about the way that you live that's different? And maybe the center core of it is that you have a hope that you don't just see the world and its brokenness. You see, you catch a vision of what it is to live into God's wholeness. And that changes the way we live. Number two. This is something that I hope that will we'll maybe be filled in a little bit. If you had a friend who asked you a question, what is your hope or what are you hoping for? What's the end game for you? 
I hope that you have an answer for that. But I want to encourage you to think about, we're going to talk about how you might answer that in a way that, first of all, maybe reflects more of what the Bible has to say instead of some kind of contemporary pictures that might be out there. For instance, a contemporary picture that is very popular right now is the idea of reincarnation, that we just kind of come back in another life and we get the opportunity to do it again, some sort of different form. The Bible has some very clear things to say about what we're hoping for. But it would be helpful for you to start thinking about how you answer that question. How do you think about it? And how would you represent what God has represented in the Bible? Third, how do you experience sharing your hope, hope that is based on Jesus Christ, a hope that is based on that while the world is broken now, it will not always be broken. How do you experience sharing that hope with others around you? Yes, it may be answering that question, what is your hope? They may ask you. But I think there's more to it than that. And people are looking for that. We have a world full of wishful thinking. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if you go to a convenience store, if you're going to stand in line for very long, there's one particular reason why you're going to stand in line. And it's, by the way, not just because you're not at a Bucky's. Forgive me. It's because people are buying lottery tickets. They're wishing their life would change. They're going to buy that ticket. What's the likelihood of that ticket coming through? Almost zero. But they're wishing. Our hope has nothing to do with the probability of almost zero. Our hope has something to do with a hundred percent absolute certainty. And you have the opportunity to share it. But in reality, the most basic question is not what is our hope. I bet you know the answer to this. The basic question isn't what is our hope. What's the basic question? Who is our hope? Again, I've already told you, we're going to dig a little more into that next week. But Jesus Christ is the answer to that. Can you say it? Jesus Christ is my hope. Jesus Christ is my hope. My hope is Jesus Christ, and He invites me, and He invites you, to discover how life and living is different, not in the way that it has been broken by sin, but in the way that he wants to make it whole through his blood and his salvation and the reality that he is coming again. We start in that place in the water, a death to new life. But we continue that process of saying, Jesus, I want you, I want you to be Lord for all the rest of our lives whether it's in the waters of baptism or whether it might be, I want to be part of a, a church family like this. It's pointing not towards the brokenness of the world, but pointing towards what God wants to do. Or maybe you just want to come and say, I need a little more hope. And I want this church not just to, to pray individually and the people I individually talk to, but I want to ask the whole church to pray for me to look for the hope that God wants for my life and for my ability to share it.
This is the time that we say come. And while there are men here that will welcome you, and we'll pray for you, we'll put, put you in the waters of baptism and let you put Jesus Christ on in the waters of baptism, or maybe, maybe be welcomed into this church family. More importantly, the invitation is to come to Jesus Christ. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing? In Christ alone, my hope is found. Is my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest has come forward and he wants to like everybody is aware that uh, he's been battling uh, cancer his, his health has not been the best uh, there's been ups and downs on that journey and it has been a journey for him uh, he's come forward to express his thanks for us as his brothers and sisters and the way that we've supported him in that and the hope that that, that gives him in, in this journey uh, what am I missing did I that, and thank you for the family that the church is to him. Uh, we, we would like to, to, to pray and, and have a blessing over, over you. Uh, it would be appropriate if others would want to come and join with that as we, as we worded this prayer. Let's pray. Father, we want to humble ourselves before you. Father, we want to recognize you as our God, and we want to recognize you as a powerful and a mighty and a holy God. But, Father, this morning we want to recognize you as the God of healing. And, Father, we know that, that, uh, that you can heal and that you provide life, that you made life, that you can uh, fix the things that are wrong with life. And, Father... That has been our earnest prayer for Royce for, 
for a while now that you would, uh, your hands would be on him and that your healing would take place and that he would be restored to, to health and to strength. And, Father, we, we continue to ask and we continue to pray earnestly for that. But, Father, beyond that, we recognize that, uh, that you have created us as a family, Father, and that you have bound us together tightly, that you uh, have cords around us that draw us in tight that can't be broken. And, Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the way that you've established our, our biological families. But, Father, we thank you for the way that you've established our church family, and we thank you for the for the place that uh, Royce has in that with us and that we have in it with him. And, Father, we just uh, thank you for that strength that we can all draw from that, that we're going through this with our brother, and, and, and we ask to be strengthened as well as he. Father, we thank you for the, uh, for the uh, hope that he gives us in the way that he has faced this journey, Father, and we pray that you would continue to keep him strong in that. Father, show us how we can help each other, Father. Strengthen us, fill us with your spirit. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to take this time to extend my thanks to all visitors that we have here this morning. If you hadn't filled out a card, we ask that you please would. Uh, if you're just visiting the Lake Jackson area, we are humble and honored that you chose to worship God with us this morning. We hope it's been beneficial to you. If you, if you live in the area and you're looking for a church family, well, I think you found it. Uh, we have a gift for you, as these ladies will pass out if you'll let them know. Uh, if you're visiting here, don't be shy. Uh, we just want to show our appreciation to you. Um, once again, I want to announce the uh, Family Fellowship Meal, let everyone know that there's always plenty and would love for everyone to stay, visitors and all, to join us uh, in that uh, time of fellowship. Um, have an announcement here also uh, from Shirley Eve. She says, I'm asking for prayers for my best friend, Claudia Pittner, who has been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And so we want to remember uh, Shirley and her friend, Claudia, in our prayers. Also been asked to announce uh, our church security team. Uh, unfortunately, our times re uh, require this. They have met uh, this past week to review our security procedures. Uh, this team consists of Ryan Author, Will Ammons, Jay Foster, Billy Yates. Uh, they're going to continue to work to improve uh, our church security and probably sometime this ne next uh, year, uh, maybe doing a little bit of some type of training for the congregation. Um, there's nothing further. Uh, I've kind of been wanting to give it a little bit short. 
sermonettes on prayer. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week about a song called Unanswered Prayers. For God's people, I don't believe there are unanswered prayers. God answers every prayer. Of course, there's the obvious yes and no. But there's obvious also the answer of what we call something better. And there's two aspects to that. One of them we can see in the uh, Matthew 18 when Jesus tells the story of the unmerciful servant. And in that story, the man owes his huge debt that he uh, probably can never pay. And the master orders that the man and his wife and all he has be sold to pay the debt. And he falls down and just begs for more time. Just give me more time and I'll pay you back everything. And the master probably surprises everyone. He says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just forget the whole thing. You don't owe a penny. Uh, and so that's kind of the feel-good aspect of, of something better. But there's another aspect to it. You know, uh, God being so much infinite above and us and our wisdom and our, our knowledge, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm probably just a four- or five-year-old kid asking God for things. And, you know, if we asked a four- or five-year-old kid what they wanted, they'd probably say, well, I... I want to eat all the cake and ice cream I can and uh, play video games all night and stay up and watch TV as late as I want and, and stay up as late as I want and, and sleep as late as I want. And sometimes that's the way my request may sound to God. But as parents, what are we going to do? Yeah, something better, well, cake and ice cream, well, that means we're going to get all the Butterfingers and Reese's Cups and peanut M&Ms that we won't know. We're probably going to give our kids, you know, protein and fruits and vegetables, right? So, so maybe I should say something better for us. So sometimes God answers our prayer with something better for us. And so with that thought, let's go to our Heavenly Father in, in prayer. Our Father, I just want to come before you and once again to just honor, praise, glorify you. Uh, you have created the whole world with just your words. You have uh, created man, and in, in spite of our failings, you have loved us. You have cared for us. You have provided hope for us. You have provided Jesus for us, Jesus that loved us, that came and took our place, who died on the cross for us. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for this. I just want to praise and honor and glorify you. And, Lord, at this time, I just want to hold up uh, Royce and uh, Shirley's friend Claudia by name, but but, Lord, everyone here has someone themselves, a family member, a co-worker, or a friend who is uh, facing health issues. And as they think of these person's name, I just ask that each one of these people will be held up to you, that you will reach down with your healing hand, that you can give them comfort, that you can give them patience, that, that they can feel the love uh, through us. And, Lord, at this time, I just want to pray for our young people uh, as they make decisions regarding life that... Uh, they can wait to have sex until after marriage, that we as your people can train them, that we can teach them, that we can encourage them, that we can empower them to do this. But, but Lord, when they fail and they find themselves expecting a child out of wedlock, uh, we are just thankful for the Pregnancy Help Center, that they are there, that they are a resource that these people can reach out to. And, and Lord, I ask once again that we as your people, that we can be there for them, that we can train, that we can encourage, that we can empower, that we we can uh, give our resources to, uh, that these uh, young ladies can choose life, uh, that they can uh, be ready to bring a child in this world, and whether they decide to raise the child themselves or, or through adoption, uh, we just ask that these uh, young people will turn, if they're not already walking in your ways, that they will walk in your ways, that they will, will train these children up to walk in your ways, to be faithful to you, to be uh, Christians, to walk in a a world that's living without hope, that they can be a light and they can be a hope. 
And Lord, just once again, ask that as your people, that you will encourage us, that you will train us, that you will give us the wisdom and the love and the desire to help these people. Lord, how am I? Send me. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. I love this little song. Music is real simple, but the words are exactly what we've been talking about this morning. My only hope is you.